Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, normally talking with you about practical issues related to ministry leadership. But these are not normal times. And so for a few weeks here, I'm suspending my normal podcast content and including instead uh, the audio from a message I'm doing each week called President's Chapel. I'm doing that message by video, sharing it with the seminary community, providing you the audio here on the Lead On podcast. So I hope this helps you as you continue your ministry during the COVID-19 pandemic. Hello to the Gateway community. I'm so glad to have the opportunity to talk with you again this week in President's Chapel, uh, sharing a message with you that I hope will be motivational and encouraging to you as we go through this COVID-19 pandemic together. Today, I want to talk with you about building relationships during social disruption. A few days ago, I had a conversation with a police chaplain, and I asked him uh, what kinds of calls his officers are responding to and what kind of pastoral ministry he's providing to them during this context. He said that, quote, domestic violence calls are out the roof. And then he said the second uh, second most increased kind of call has been public nuisance calls calls for barking dogs, fighting neighbors, or other kinds of complaints that cause, that are caused by people having to live in closer proximity than normal. There's no doubt that relational tension mounts during social disruption. And healthy relationships require intentional choices during times like these, proactive choices and proactive actions in order to build meaningful relationships even during these stressful circumstances. Now, fortunately for us, the Bible has some clear instructions about this issue. It has instructions about building meaningful relationships uh, in a context which pulsates with intimacy and affection among believers during a time of great difficulty. So I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, and let's listen to a passage of Scripture which describes the relational affection, love, and strength that was developed and demonstrated during a stressful time in the lives of some believers who related well together. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This passage, is about Paul relating to his Philippian brothers and sisters, particularly the overseers and deacons, these people he had the most intimate of relationships with in the context of his difficulty, which was, in this case, his imprisonment. 
So this passage teaches us several things about building relationships during social disruption or during difficult times. First, healthy relationships rest on a spiritual foundation. Look back into the text with me. In verse 7, Paul says, you are all partners with me in grace. And then in verse 2, as a result of that partnership of grace, he writes and says, grace to you and peace. Paul recognized his fellow believers were partners with him in grace, and because of that, he could extend grace and peace to them. And then move down to verse 8. Relationships are also based on appropriate affection. Paul said, I miss all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And so we see in this passage that relationships are based on grace and peace and affection, and that these qualities of relationship come out of our shared relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So let's apply this. You build relationships, first of all, by extending grace to others, meaning you give them favor they don't deserve. It's easy to be gracious to people that we like, people that we care about, people that treat us nicely, and people who always do, on time, what we want them to do. But it's harder to extend grace, meaning favor, to people who don't deserve it. People who are cranky, irritable, difficult, who may not be meeting our needs or doing it in a way that we expect or in a, time, in a timely fashion, but yet, as believers, we make the choice, no matter how people are behaving or how they may be responding to us, we extend grace, favor to them. And we do that because of the grace and favor we receive from God through Jesus Christ. We also build relationships by making peace with others or extending peace to others, meaning we overlook their mistakes and their shortcomings. We look past their immaturity and the decisions they make, which might even bring us harm or difficulty. And instead of responding with anger, we respond instead with peace. A number of years ago, when we bought our first home, we had a difficult time growing grass in our front yard. Now we later learned it was because we had a natural gas leak, but that's another story. We had a difficult time growing grass in our front yard and I tried everything. And finally, I plowed up about two thirds of our front yard, sowed it down with grass seed, put strings around it with flags flying on it to keep people from walking across my freshly sown seed in my, uh, in my uh, difficult, to grow, uh, gra difficult grass to grow front yard and waited for the best. And then a few days later, I looked out and a little girl about six or seven years old was running through my front yard. I exploded off the couch, ran out into the front yard, and I screamed at the top of my youngs, get off my lawn! And she, with panic and terror in her eyes, turned and jumped on her bicycle and went pedaling up the street as fast as she could. I felt pretty good about myself. Until I turned around and Anne was standing right behind me. And Anne looked at me and said one short sentence. She said, I thought we were raising children, not growing grass. Turned around and went back in the house. That was not one of my finer moments. I had to walk up the street, find a terrorized little girl, kneel down on her level and apologize to her for extending anger to her rather than peace 
in a moment in which she had done something that offended me. Well, it's hard when people behave toward us in this kind of way, when they trample on our grass, so to speak, when they don't do what we want, when they don't do it in the way we want it, when they don't do it on the timetable we need. It's hard to resist anger and extend peace instead. Healthy relationships are when we extend grace and when we extend peace. And then finally, you build healthy relationships by showing affection to others, meaning we do what communicates love to them in the moment. This is one of the most significant uh, insights into relationships that really has been part of my life and a part of really a lot of our lives, I think, over the years. And that is that love is about delivering to the other person on their terms what communicates love. It's that love languages concept that's been talked about so much in our culture. Love, communicating the affection of Christ, is about communicating to someone that you care for them, you love them, in terms they understand. During times of social disruption like this, it's easy to be selfish. It's easy to think my needs aren't being met. My interests aren't being satisfied. My desires aren't being uh, considered. But love says, no, I want to find what meets the needs of other people in my family, other people in my community, other people in my church, other people in my workplace, and I want to deliver to them what they need in the moment. So healthy relationships begin or rest, I should say, on a spiritual foundation. Grace peace, love. We choose to give people favor when they don't deserve it. We choose to extend peace to people instead of anger. And we choose to demonstrate love, meaning that we communicate to people in terms they understand and in terms of what means love to them, the kinds of service and devotion and care they need in the moment. Healthy relationships rest on a spiritual foundation. Now, the passage also teaches us this insight. Deep relationships emerge from shared experiences. And in the context of this passage, they were shared experiences around the gospel. Go with me back to verse 5. We learn there that deep relationships are based on living out the gospel. Paul wrote uh, about the partnership in the gospel he had with the Philippians from the first day until now. He said our partnership was a partnership in the gospel. And that's what deepened our relationship as we work together. And then look in verse 7. He says that deep relationships are enriched by difficult circumstances. He said, you are all my partners. And then he says, in my imprisonment and in my defense of the gospel. In both his imprisonment and the legal processes that resulted, his defense of the gospel, he said, you've been my partners in sharing these difficult circumstances. So in the context of the uh, of the story from the text, Paul is saying to his Philippian friends, you're my partners. You're my partners in the gospel. You've been my partners in the gospel in my imprisonment and in my legal defense. You've been with me through these very difficult circumstances. And it's because we share both our commitment to the gospel and we've shared these difficult circumstances that we call ourselves partners and our relationship has uh, gone down to such a depth of commitment that we've discovered. Deep relationships then emerge from shared experiences. 
This means you strengthen your friendships, your deepest relationships, your family connections. You strengthen them by sharing in the gospel together. Now, this can take many forms. It can be uh, the direct form, and that is going with a person to share the gospel with someone else. Uh, I have a very good friend, and that friendship was really forged 30 years ago by our two families going together on mission trips. And this uh, friend and I uh, shared the gospel with others and shared in gospel work together in supporting the mission that we, the mission of the mission trips that we were doing together. Uh, the gospel uh, forged a bond between us and sharing the gospel with others deepened that bond and then doing gospel work together deepened it even more. We still get together from time to time and reflect on those experiences of those early mission trips together and what that meant for us in binding our friendship to be what it is. Uh, this past summer, I went on the Beyond Teams experience with a group of students, and I still see those students around the, the Ontario campus particularly, and I uh, talk with them, share uh, little jokes with them or insights that we gained while we were on our trip together or moments that we had because we were out sharing the gospel with, the, with people in that context. And because of that, I have a deeper relationship with the students that were with me on that Beyond team than I have with other students. Sharing the gospel together, Going out and doing gospel work together deepens our bond with one another. But beyond that, sharing the gospel together during difficult circumstances or doing gospel work together during difficult circumstances also deepens our relationships with one another. Now, we've had some recent experience of this here at Gateway. Uh, you know, it wasn't very many years ago we went through the relocation and rebranding of our seminary. We emerged from our campus in the San Francisco Bay Area to two new campuses here in Ontario and in Fremont. And then we also re, uh, we, we developed a new identity moving from Golden Gate to Gateway Seminary. And while all of us went through that together, the vice presidents and I went through that entire process uh, really uh, together in a way that, that, that I didn't share with everyone else in the organization. We met together not every day, but pretty often for about three or four years, sharing the burden of what it meant to go through that difficult circumstance together seeing the breakthroughs, experiencing the times of prayer, uh, uh, commiserating with the challenges and the difficulties, the hardships, the, uh, the whole process working together deepened our relationships with each other. So we were doing gospel work together and then that was compounded by the difficulty we went through together and it deepened the relationships we had with each other. I've had similar experiences with my wife, Anne. We've now been doing gospel work together for 40 years. We've been sharing the gospel with people. We've been doing gospel projects with each other. We've been living a gospel lifestyle. And because of that, we've gone, we, we've had a deep bond with one another. But then from time to time, uh, we've gone through some really difficult times. Sometimes those difficulties have been in our relationships. Sometimes those difficulties have been thrust upon us by outside circumstances. But nevertheless, all of those difficulties have forged within us even a deeper bond as we've held on to one another and gone through the challenge together. Now we're experiencing that here at Gateway. We're going through this pandemic together. Uh, we'll never be the same when this is over. And the relationships that we're forging and the new relational connections we're making and the deeper appreciation we have for one another is resulting from our commitment to do gospel work, to share the gospel, but also to keep doing that while we're going through some very difficult circumstances. 
5, 10, 20 years from now, many of you will look back on this experience and still talk with people you worked with at Gateway because of the relationships that are forged and deeply forged through this experience. So while we're going through this difficulty, it may seem hard and maybe see, may seem troublesome, but let's also embrace it because this is an opportunity, like Paul said, when I was in prison and defending the gospel in my legal processes, you stood with me. You were my partner in the gospel, but you were also my partner in the difficulty. Let's embrace the same thing about Gateway right now. We're partners in the gospel, but we're also partners in the difficulty that's been thrust upon us by the pandemic. And because of that, our relationships are being deepened by this experience. And frankly, we'll never be the same because of it. And your life will be enriched. Your life will be enriched in five, 10, 20 years as you look back on this and realize the relationships that were forged by going through this together. Well, healthy relationships rest on a spiritual foundation. Deep relationships emerge from shared experiences around the gospel. And then finally, meaningful relationships grow through prayer. Now look into the text again with me. In verses three and four, Paul says he prayed for his friends. He wrote, I give thanks to my God. And then he wrote, always praying with joy in every prayer of mine. He started his communication with his friends by saying, I pray for you. I thank God for you. I pray in joy for you. I pray for you every time I pray. And then, as if to bracket that, he starts this part of the text by telling us he's praying, but the last part of the text is actually Paul recording or writing down one of his prayers. Let's read it again, starting in verse nine. He wrote, and I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, fulfilled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul not only said, I pray for you as my friends, but then he wrote down one of his prayers that he prayed for them so they could get some understanding of the depth, the affection, the intensity of the prayers he was praying on their behalf. Well, this example teaches us then that you deepen relationships by praying for others. You know, it's really hard to hate someone you're praying for. It's really hard to maintain a broken relationship with someone you're praying for. It's really hard to hold on to bitterness or anger or resentment when you really get down on your knees, bow your head, and start calling out to God on behalf of another person. So if you're struggling relationally right now, pray for the people you're struggling with. Ask God to do the things for them that Paul wrote that he prayed for these Philippians. Just go through this prayer phrase by phrase and convert it into a prayer for the people that you're struggling with right now as a means of increasing your commitment to them and of deepening and improving and in reshaping your relationship with them. And then, not only is your relationship deepened by praying for others, but I think this passage also teaches us that you deepen relationships by praying with others. Now, I realize this text doesn't record them getting together to pray together, but I find it very helpful that Paul wrote out this prayer and sent it to the Philippians so that they could read and experience his prayer for them and in essence experience a prayer with him on their behalf. 
Now, I've seen uh, in recent years a really good application of this in the church where Ann and I are members, Mount Zion Church of Ontario. Pastor Brian Kennedy does something every Sunday that is so remarkable and I think so helpful. At the end of every uh, message, he asks at this question, is this your, uh, is this, are you ready to respond to this message or uh, is this the message that you'll respond to today? Something like that to engage us and help us to understand it's time to respond. And then he says, if this is the message that you'll respond to today, let's pray together. And then the whole church spontaneously stands up. Now, it took me a few Sundays to figure out that everyone just simply knew to do that, but we all stand up together. And then on the screen, there's a prayer. And Pastor Kennedy writes a prayer every week that is a recapsula, uh, a, a, an encapsulization of his message and puts the insights of his message into a prayer form that each person can articulate back to God saying, God, I've heard your word and now I pray your word back to you in obedience and commitment that I'm going to go out and fulfill it this week. And as hundreds of people stand up and say this common prayer together, I feel the deepening of our relationships, not only to God, but to each other. As we're all together praying, God is bringing a unity to us about our purpose, our response, and our intentionality about putting the word of God into practice. I think Paul did that in this text. He wrote out a prayer and said, this is what I'm praying for you. Read it with me, share it with me, experience the unifying power of a prayer that we can all say together. So I think it's appropriate to say that you deepen relationships by praying with others. That's why it's important right now for you to gather your family or your friends together and have a shared worship service. Don't just all watch a screen in a separate room. Come together in the same room and hear the word of God taught. Come together in the same room, hold hands and pray together as a part of your worship experience. Spend time in family devotions and time in prayer around your mealtime. Make this a time uh, when you come together, make these times when you come together for prayer, a meaningful time of sharing not only your devotion to God, but sharing devotion with each other as a unifying moment. Now, it is possible to build meaningful relationships during times of social disruption. Right now, there's two kinds of social disruption going on in our culture. The first is everyone's being forced to spend more time together in isolation. But the second is everyone's being forced to find new ways to work together when we're scattered in our homes and other places like we are right now. All of this disruption brings about relational tension. So what can we at Gateway do about it? Well, first of all, recognize that healthy relationships rest on the spiritual foundation we have in Jesus Christ. We can extend grace and peace and love to one another. And then deep relationships emerge from shared experiences, particularly shared experiences around the gospel. So as we're doing gospel work together and this affliction or difficulty of the pandemic has come upon us, let's embrace it as an opportunity to deepen our relationships with one another, realizing that in five, 10, 20 years, we'll look back on this as a moment that God used to meld us together in ways he had never been able to do before. And then finally, meaningful relationships grow through prayer. Pray for one another and pray with one another during this time of difficulty to see relationships strengthened, not harmed by what we're going through. The Bible is so practical. 
Paul was going through a difficult situation, and yet in the context of that, he wrote about the relational strength he had with the Philippians and the relational strength he was and the strength he was drawing from the relationship he had with them. We can do the same as we experience social disruption. It is possible to have meaningful relationships. Take the word of God as I've taught it to you today. Put it into practice and let's see it transform us as a community and as families serving the Lord and serving the gospel.